Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We're going to continue our, our sermon series in the, in the Gospel of Luke. Last week we examined the call of the first disciples. Uh, and this week what we're going to see is Jesus performing two miracles and then his call to sinners. Uh, and it is a call for more disciples to follow him. But that call is a call to sinners for repentance, turning to him. And so the miracles that we see in the text today from Luke chapter 5 are more demonstrations of Jesus' authority. That was one of the things we've been looking at is seeing that uh, Jesus Christ, because of who he is, the promised Messiah, the Son of God, he has authority in all of these different situations and scenes that we have been working through. And now these miracles, again, from this uh, section are reminders of his authority. And so I've titled the sermon, The Work of Our Savior. And as we examine the text, we can be amazed at his authority again and be reminded of what it is that he has done for those of us who have come to him in faith. And if you have never trusted in Jesus uh, for your salvation, if you've never come to him in faith, there's an invitation to come today as there is every day. I'm going to read the text. It's a longer text than what we often look at, uh, but I, th I think it's important for us to hear it in its full context before we start working our way through it. So uh, Luke chapter 5, and starting with verse 12, and we're going to go through verse 32. Luke 5 verse 12. While he was in one of the towns, a man there who had leprosy all over him. I'm sorry, a, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him tell no, to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your stretcher and go home. Immediately, he got up before them, 
picked up what he had been laying on, lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, We have seen incredible things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. He said to him, Follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there's a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with them. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, It's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is good and true. And as we uh, ask each week, I pray uh, now that, Holy Spirit, you will move uh, in our hearts, work in our hearts and and in our minds, so that we will believe it, understand and believe, uh, and that we will uh, respond accordingly uh, to the truths that we see here. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So each of the, the points from this text today are a work of our Savior, uh, and what Jesus does for us. The, the miracles that took place were specific miracles to the individuals, but we also see some scenes that remind us of this is what he has done for us who have come to him in faith. And so the first work that we're going to look at, the first truth concerning the work of our Savior is this. Our Savior cleanses the unclean. Our Savior cleanses the unclean. Let's look back at Luke 5, verses 12 through 16. The text today kind of has three scenes. And so in this first scene, we have uh, a man being cleansed from leprosy. Luke 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him and said, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more. And large crowds would come together and hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So a man with leprosy, and it says uh, that it's covering his body. Uh, now leprosy in the text uh, is, could mean any skin condition. Uh, would not specifically necessarily be uh, what's today known as Hansen's t- disease. But leprosy could be any type of skin condition uh, of the day. And it clearly is advanced in this case for this man. It says that it is covering his entire body. The, the uh, uncleanliness of the man is total. He is covered from head to toe with this skin condition. Now for a leper, for someone with a, an unclean skin condition of the day, it was an isolating, uh, socially isolating condition. 
because you had to withdraw from the others uh, or you would make other people unclean. Uh, And so he would have to be withdrawn from his family, withdrawn from his friends. Most lepers of the day had to live a life of begging, just hoping that someone would give them something to help them get by because they couldn't work. And so that's a socially isolating thing to have no close contact with individuals. Uh, You would have to even just daily, as you encountered other people, let them know that you're a leper. They were required to cover their mouth and yell out, unclean. And so it was a very isolating disease. And this man is covered in, like totally covered by this skin condition. And he comes in faith. He doesn't doubt that Jesus can fix the situation, right? He comes and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He knew that Jesus could do it. The the word's been spreading. Hey, the one who has claimed to be Messiah is here. And, And he is doing the miraculous healings that the Messiah is supposed to bring. And he had heard about Jesus and he trusted. I know Jesus is the one that can heal my condition. I know that Jesus is the one that can make me clean. And so he goes to Jesus and doesn't say, can you do it? He says, Lord, I know you can. If you're willing, do it. If you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus, look at the the loving response, right? People recoiled from uh, lepers. People withdrew from them. Uh, you know, we're kind of coming out of it now, but it would have been in like the extreme of how we felt about our social distancing with COVID, right? Uh, where it's like, hey, back up just a little bit, like in the early days especially, like I need some space. That would have been minor compared to the way people responded to lepers. Been like, whoa, you have to stay back. Jesus doesn't recoil from the leper. Jesus doesn't withdraw from him. He leans in and touches him. What a loving response. What a personally caring response. Because this man wouldn't have felt the touch of anyone He's probably, considering that the skin condition has spread over his entire body, there's probably been a long time that he has not felt the touch of another human being and Jesus loved him enough to reach out and touch him. And he says, I am willing. That's what I'm here for. I want you to be made clean. And so Jesus tells him that and says, be made clean. And immediately, just like what we saw with the, the fever that Peter's mother-in-law had, immediately she was restored to full health and able to get up and serve. Here, immediately, the leprosy flees his body. He's fully restored, fully healthy. And then he tells him in verse 14, Don't tell anybody. And, and the text doesn't explain why. 
there's lots of interpretations of what may have been the reasoning, uh, the reason behind him saying don't tell anybody. But we do know he wants him to go and do what was required by the law. If you've been made clean, the law in the Old Testament made it clear that someone who was clean had to go to the priest. They had to offer sacrifices because they hadn't been able to go to temple to offer sacrifices. And they had this eight-day ceremony that they would walk through all of these different things, and it was eight days of being reminded that, like, I'm, I've been restored again. I've been made full again. And then at the end of that eight days, they would be able to be restored fully to the community. So Jesus didn't just want to get rid of the leprosy. He wanted him fully restored. He wanted him back with God's people. And so he says, don't Get distracted by telling everybody what's happened. Go and do what's necessary so that you can be fully restored. And then in addition to that, he says, as a te- so go to the priest, and it says, as a testimony to them. The priest knew the word of God. The priest knew that when the Messiah came, there was an expectation of miraculous healing. And so Jesus says, go and tell the priest what's happened as a testimony so that they will know the Messiah is here. The Messiah is active and doing exactly what we expected him to do. Verse 15, it says, even though he instructed the individual, don't tell anybody, news continued to spread, right? People continued to talk about it. He's doing these miraculous things. He teaches the Word of God like no one we've ever seen or heard. And He is healing people, restoring people in ways that we've never seen before. And so more and more people are drawing close to Jesus to hear Him teach and to have Him heal them And verse 16 is an important point for us to take as children of God. So his ministry is getting busier. His life is getting busier. More and more people are coming to him for healing and teaching. And it says, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. We're the opposite of Jesus here, right? When we get busy... Uh, oftentimes it's our our prayer time, our Bible reading time, or even attending church that goes first. I've just got so much going on. I I don't have time for that right now. Jesus' ministry was exploding, and it says he often withdrew in order to be with God the Father. And that's something for us to learn from him here. Is like we shouldn't, uh, you know, let that slip from our lives when things are busy. We should be drawn to God the Father. We need to be close to the Father oftentimes. Now in this scene about the cleansing of the unclean, uh, I told you each of these kind of points us to what Jesus has done for us spiritually, right? If we have come to him in faith, uh, he makes us clean. The leper was completely unclean, head to toe. And the reality for us is spiritually, right? We have all sinned. And outside of Christ, we are, the, the stain of sin is in totality. Head to toe, we are covered in filth 
spiritually. If we come to Him in faith, He can make us clean and He's willing to make us clean. It's, it's what He desires to do. He tells the leper, I am willing. That's why I'm here. Be made clean. He restores him. He demonstrates how much He loved him. And so, for us, that's the truth for us to remember that we have a Savior who makes the unclean, those of us who are sinners, clean again. He fully restores us, and it's what He came for. It's what He wants to do. And if you have not trusted in Jesus, if you have not come to faith in Christ yet, we want you to know that salvation for the forgiveness of your sins is available through Him and through Him alone. He came for this purpose and He desires to make you clean. He desires to restore you to the way that God intended you to be. In 1 John, we see these words. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. And so we need to remember that. Jesus has the authority and the willingness to make us clean again. He is the one, our Savior is the one, who cleanses the unclean. The second truth from Luke 5 is this. Our Savior forgives sinners. Our Savior forgives sinners. This is the longer section here. Verse 17 through 26, the second scene. On one of these days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts... Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher and go home. Immediately, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, We have seen incredible things today. 
our Savior forgives sinners. So verse 17 sets the stage for, for scene two here, right? He's teaching, we learn in another text, that he's back in uh, kind of his home region. And Pharisees and teachers of the law have come from all over, right? The, the news has been spreading. Everybody's talking about this man, and so Pharisees and teachers of the law from Galilee, from Judea, and even from Jerusalem have gathered together. They're here to see Jesus. And verse 17 says at the end, the Lord's power to heal was in him. So it's kind of setting the stage. We've got all of these teachers of the law there. And the Spirit of God is in him, ready to do something miraculous. And then in verse 18, just then, right, at just the right time, who, who would have thought that that would have fallen into place? God is working, of course. God is coordinating these events. The people are present. The Spirit of God is active and ready to do something miraculous. And just then, someone who is entirely paralyzed, unable to do anything for themselves, is brought by some friends. And they get to where Jesus is teaching, which is we learn is in a house, uh, and they can't get near him. The crowd is too big. There's too many people that have gathered to listen to Jesus. And so the friends won't be deterred. The man won't be deterred. And they go on top of the roof. They remove the tiles from the roof. They probably have to dig through some clay. And then they lower this man down through the roof and in front of Jesus. At just the right time, when the, the teachers of the law were gathered to see, all right, we want to see about this guy. And what everybody's saying. We want to see if it's true. And at just the right time, God brings this paralytic, this paralyzed man with his friends. And Jesus sees their faith. Now, that statement means all of them, including the man on the mat. Uh, it wouldn't just be his friends. Uh, Jesus sees their faith and he looks at the man and says, Your sins are forgiven. Now, that's an Interesting statement because he came for healing. He came because he's paralyzed and he can't do anything. And he needs to be restored. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Remember who's in the crowd. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law are there. They're there to kind of find out about this person, Jesus, that everybody's talking about. And the Pharisees, when they hear that, are shocked. Only God can forgive sins. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is to tell this man, your sins are forgiven? And they're thinking these thoughts. They're not saying the words. They're thinking these thoughts. They say, he's committed blasphemy. He just claimed to do a work that only God can do. Jesus knows what they're thinking. And says, why are you thinking this in your hearts? 
why are you thinking this about me? And then he goes on and asks them a question. What would be easier in this situation? For me to tell him he's, his sins are forgiven or for me to tell him, get up and walk? With the implication that as far as speaking the words, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because the crowd won't know whether or not it's actually happened. Right? The crowd has no clue if his sins are actually forgiven or not. They just have to take it on faith. Well, I guess he's forgiven his sins. It's like it's harder for me to tell him to get up and walk because if that fails, if he doesn't get up and walk, then everybody knows I'm a fraud. So I've done the easier thing, but he says, I'm, 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 I'm showing you something. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know that I have the authority to do this. And so he goes on to say, so that you know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he turns to the paralyzed man and says, get up, take your mat and go home. He was setting the stage so that their minds and hearts could automatically start thinking, who in the world could say something like this? He doesn't have the right to say something like this. Only God can say something like this. Which they're correct in their theology there. Only God has the right to forgive sins, the authority to forgive sins. What they've misunderstood is who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. God the Son, right? He is God. God is actually with them and Jesus. And so he really does have the authority. And he says, I'm, I'm going to do the harder thing here. Uh, I'm going to tell him to get up so that you actually know that I can forgive his sins. And he tells him to get up. And it says in verse 25, immediately. Just like with the leper, just like with Peter's mother-in-law, immediately he is able to walk again. He is fully restored. Someone who's paralyzed, uh, they would, even if they, you fix the paralysis, there's atrophy issues, right? Muscles atrophy. An individual would have to take an, an extensive amount of rehab for the muscles to regain their strength, for your brain to get the muscle memory to like, be able to easily walk again. Jesus fully restores the man immediately. He has the strength to actually stand up, pick up his stuff, and he goes home praising God. Immediately, and everyone is astounded. Everybody's amazed at this Savior. The Savior who forgives sins and then fully restores people to the way that God intended them to be. And the same is still true today, right? This scene is a picture of what Jesus has done with those of us if we've trusted in Him. The man, a paralyzed man, incapable of doing anything for himself. And spiritually speaking, that's true of all of us apart from Christ. Right? Ephesians talks about how we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. A dead person can't do anything. And so, spiritually speaking, Jesus is the one that can forgive our sins and 
produce life and fullness where there was nothing but death and decay. He forgives us. God has given us new life. And if we would just come in faith to him, we experience that. We experience the forgiveness of sins. And if you've never done that, your sins can be forgiven today if you would come to him. Colossians 1 reminds us of this. Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him, speaking about Jesus, in Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Our Savior forgives sinners. Our Savior forgives sinners. He has the authority to forgive and he desires to forgive us. He wants us to come to him for forgiveness. And as the text continues, what we see in the third scene is that's exactly who he's here for. That's why he came was to call sinners, call sinners out of their life, call sinners out of their, their separation from God and their rejection of God and call them to repent. And so the third point is this. Our Savior calls sinners. Our Savior calls sinners. And so here we see the call of Levi, the tax collector. Verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now, there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with them. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, It's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus goes out from this scene where he said, like, says, I have the authority to forgive sins. And then he demonstrates that's what he came to do is forgive people and call people out of their life of sin. And so he sees the tax collector Levi, an individual who's despised by their own people because they are a traitor working for Rome and oftentimes cheating the people out of their money. And he calls someone like that, that everyone despises. And he says, follow me. Now this wasn't just like, hey, I want you to to come with me as a disciple. That's part of it. But the, the call is a call to repentance. Leave that life behind. Leave that life of sin behind and come to me. Receive the real life that comes from me. And so he calls Levi, and Levi does exactly what Peter and James and John did. He left his stuff immediately. He got up and followed Jesus. There was an immediate change. And of course, Levi wants other people to experience this. He throws a banquet for Jesus, a a feast at his house to celebrate 
in, in honor of Jesus Christ, the Savior who forgives and calls sinners. He wants others to come, and people that were just like Him have been invited to come. He wants others to experience the Savior like He has. And that's true for new converts often. They're so much better at evangelism than those of us who have been Christians for a long time. Uh, you know, we get comfortable and then we get a little anxious. Like, I don't want people to think poorly of me and so I'm not going to say a whole lot. Uh, maybe they'll ask me about Jesus because I'm really nice. Uh, or maybe, you know, maybe they'll ask me about what church I go to and I can invite them. But we're not very good. But Levi has been changed by Jesus and he's like, hey, I want you to meet a guy. We're going to have a party at my house and I want you to come and I want you to see the guy that changed me. And so Levi is honoring Jesus. I mean, yeah, he's honoring Jesus at his home and the Pharisees standing off. Uh, we see this in multiple gospel accounts. Uh, they're standing off at a distance and they're in shock. Can you believe this? They're hanging out with those people. They're hanging out with tax collectors. They're hanging out with sinners. Like, we know what they've done. And he and his disciples are hanging out with them. And they complain to the disciples. Why do you do this? See, in, the, in that context, eating a meal with somebody was, giving, was considered as giving full approval of them and their lifestyle. And so this feast with the sinners... They said, like, are you okay with this? You obviously don't care about the way that they live. You don't care about holiness. And Jesus, knowing what they're saying, replies to them. Like, I didn't come for the healthy. Healthy people don't need a doctor. I came for sinners. That's who I came for. It's people who recognize their need those are the ones that I'm here to rescue. And of course, the reality is that's everyone. None of us are righteous. Scripture teaches us that. None of us are righteous. We all need a Savior to call us to repentance. And we have one in Jesus. Our Savior calls sinners. So the same is true today. He hasn't changed. He still calls sinners to repentance. He doesn't call us because we're special. He doesn't call us because we have something great to offer to Him. He calls us because there's a great need. We're sinners. And He's the only one that can cure what ails us. He's the only one that can restore us. He's the only one that can forgive us. Remember the song, Nothing But the Blood? Such a beautiful hymn with such beautiful truths. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He's the only one that can do it and He's the one that wants to. He desires to make us clean. Like he said to the leper, I'm willing. It's what he wants for us. First Timothy, Paul reminds us that that's what Jesus came for, is to save sinners, to forgive sinners. First Timothy 1 
Verse 15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. We'll stop there, Mickey. Christ Jesus came to save sinners. That's why he came. That was his purpose. We have a Savior who can make us clean. We have a Savior who can forgive us. We have a Savior who calls and calls sinners like you and, and like me. And He's the only one that can. And He wants to. That's exactly what He came for. So, church, let's remember that today. Let's be amazed at the work of our Savior who cleanses us, forgives us, and calls us to new life. And if you have never received the cleansing that comes from Him and His shed blood, we want you to know about it today. You can schedule a time to meet with me uh, or one of our other ministry leaders here or elders so we can talk with you about the good news of the gospel. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to come for forgiveness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the reminder of the Savior that we have and the work that has been accomplished through Him. Thank you that we have a Savior who cleanses us. We have a Savior who forgives our sins and then calls us to repent from our old way of life and, and to come to new life that's in Jesus. Thank you for your love for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today we are going to take communion. Uh, we've been reminded in the text today about the work of our Savior, cleansing us, forgiving us. And communion is something that the church does to remember how and, and how it is that our Savior is able to provide us the cleansing that's needed, how we're able to receive the forgiveness that comes. Because in the bread and the juice, we have the body of Christ that was given for us, the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Now, if you have not trusted in Jesus for salvation, we would ask you not to receive these elements that the church has been given to remember him. Uh, consider the truths that you've heard. We, we confess and believe this, that Jesus is the only one that can forgive you. He's the only one that can heal and restore you, and he wants to. And so instead of taking a reminder for the church, if you have not accepted him, think about that and consider the, the need for forgiveness that you have. And, and if you want to talk about that, I would love to be able to talk with you uh, about the forgiveness that he provides. To all who have trusted in Jesus and have believed in him for salvation, I invite you to join us in this remembrance. 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, Paul reminding the body of believers of what's most important. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, 
the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand and by which you were being saved, if you hold to the message that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and, on the third, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus died for our sins. It was His blood that was shed as an atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And we have the promise that even though He was buried, He was raised back to life on the third day. And so the bread we take reminds us of his body. The juice we drink reminds us of the blood that was shed for us so that we could be forgiven. And so by receiving him, we have received the forgiveness that he provides. And that's what we celebrate in communion. That's what we remember as we take these elements. Let me pray for us as we prepare our hearts for, for this. Father, thank you for communion. Thank you for this gift to the church to remind us of our precious Savior and what he's done for us so that we could be forgiven. As we take these elements, bless us. Help us be amazed again by our Savior as we cling to him and the forgiveness that's available. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, starting in verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Taking your bread. This is the body of Christ given for you. And taking your cup. This is the blood of Christ that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm going to pray, thanking God for this service and for this time of communion. As I pray, some of the worship team is going to come up. We're going to have one more song of praise before our closing benediction. Father, thank you for uh, these simple elements, this bread, cracker, and this juice that are precious, precious reminders to the church of our wonderful Savior and what he endured by going to the cross because of our sins. Thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.